Blog Talk Radio. This is Kings of Non Sequitur. Any topic, any subject, anything goes. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Yes, it's the middle of April, and actually it's the middle of May now, and the sports are winding into baseball and and some niche sports out there, such as horse racing, so we'll talk a little bit about that, and of course, the NBA playoffs are going on. You are listening live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here with you live on a Saturday night, May the 11th, 2019. I'm Dre, he's Jay. And this show is going to be mostly about last weekend's historic Kentucky Derby because, boy, do I have a a story about that. I was able to get out there and and, uh, watch the Derby coverage uh, at this dog park down here uh, in in, uh, West Memphis, Arkansas. And it was was a thing. It was a thing that happened, and I was uh, in the middle of it. My money was in the middle of it, and uh, that that whole situation was – I, I still can't believe what happened, so I'll get to talk about all of that. Jason, how you been doing? I'm doing good, and I have to say that once I found out that you had money involved in it, I can totally believe it happened. Of course. Who else yeah. but me? Right. Naturally. So, yeah, and you, you were well, – well, well, first of all, you tweet out your you know hot take on who was going to win the race, and it turns out that horse wasn't even in the race. So that, that was a good move. I killed the horse before it even raced. Then the horse I, that you have to take second place loses the Kentucky Derby in a way that's never happened before in history. So <laughs> not a good history. week for you with the horses. Just not a good week. I, I didn't kill the horse. I, the, the horse, that, no. you know, coming off of what, what's happened at Santa Anita, I don't know if you've heard about that, but they, they had a particularly bad season at the, the this racetrack out in California, Santa Anita, Literally, like, upwards of 20 horses died during this past track season. I have no idea why. No one seems to really know why at this point. And, uh, but it's bad. It's, that's obviously a really black eye on the industry when you have something like that happen, 20 horses going down at the same track. So I, I didn't kill the, the Kentucky Derby horse that got scratched uh, earlier in the week. I, I just picked him to win, and he, he, he had to – uh, they 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 scratched him, but he's not dead, not yet. He, he's still going. So I, I didn't I didn't quite kill him. I, I yeah. tried. Yeah, you played the conditions. You had the mudder. It was very muddy. Uh, you, you were you were looking like you had the wise pick um, until you didn't. <laughs> it was I, I, man, it was such a great feeling to 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 know that I picked the winner and I'd had everything. Uh, yeah. All right. Let's let, let's start from the beginning, shall we? And then you did. And then you actually did pick the winner for for twenty two <laughs> minutes. The winner. So uh, if you were uh, if you're a big enough fan of our show, then you know that this this goes back to the end of the last podcast, the last show, uh, our our uh, NFL draft aftermath show, where I snuck in at the end of the podcast my picks for this year's Kentucky Derby. Uh, and 
if you heard that, then you heard me get all excited about this pick Omaha Beach because uh, that that particular horse looked like it was someone that would be out near the front and the, the rain conditions called for a horse that I thought you, you had to pick a horse that's going to be out near the front. Horses don't really come from behind very well in the in the mud in the in the slush. They don't like all that stuff kicking up in their face. So the horses that come from way back off the pace, you, you don't like them so much in the in the mud and rain. So I researched the hell out of this race, and this actually goes to uh, just a coincidental finding on the Kentucky Derby website uh, that I just happened to discover this year that you could sit there and watch each and every one of the prep races for all these three-year-old horses going back to last year when they were two-year-olds, you can go back and watch all the prep races for these horses. Uh, the, the, the major prep races, the grade one and the grade two stakes races, stuff like that. Uh, and a couple of lower, uh, grade races. And I never saw those, uh, races before. I never saw the fact that you could research and look up and watch all of those races. And it was so convenient that, you know, about three weeks ago, on um, one of my off days, I just sat there and wound up binge watching and clicking through uh, probably about 10 or 12 of the of the, the prep races for this year's Kentucky Derby. So my picks all throughout these years of doing the podcast, my picks for the Derby have been very loosely based on like what I've read and, and what some experts uh, liked and whatnot. It hasn't really been based on seeing any of these horses. This year, it was based on actually seeing, I don't want to say each and every one of the horses in the field, but most of them, like the vast majority of the horses uh, I'd seen race in a prep race. Uh, there are a few horses that they they sneak in there that, that did not race in any of these prep races, or maybe they race and didn't show very well and didn't make any impression on me, uh, such as, I don't know, this horse Country House. More on him later. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of horses in the field that I that I got to see and I got an impression of, uh, and I've watched the prep races. This is the most prepared for a derby that I've been in years, probably since uh, 2004, which is the last time that I went to the Kentucky Derby live. I went to three Kentucky Derbies live from 2002 to 2004. Amazing experiences. I highly recommend going for anybody that's a, a sports fan and wants to take in a big event atmosphere. It's not uh, uh, an expensive gambit. It's, it's, you know, I think general admission back then was like $40. Um, and I would recommend general admission. I, don't, don't buy a ticket. Don't get a seat and sit up there with the hoity-toity with the, the, the Kentucky Derby hats, the, the ladies with the hats. That's not where the fun is. The fun and the action is walking around on the infield where you don't have a seat, uh, but you can see a whole lot of things that you maybe never thought you'd see before. There's some stories about uh, being on the infield of those derbies that I still can't tell to this day, uh, even on the podcast, because it's just that crazy. But yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. It was a great time. But uh, ever since then, I hadn't really ever researched the derby that heavily because it wasn't that interesting. If I wasn't going live like I was those three years, then that, it didn't interest me as much. So therefore, I didn't really look up and, and do a whole lot of studying for any of these races. This year, watching those prep races live was like, wow, this is unbelievable. I get to actually base my opinion on what I see out of these horses. I don't have to rely on what somebody else has written about them. So I was very excited about my picks. So I felt as good about these picks as I had about any picks probably since 04. And if you remember, 
my picks at the end of uh, at the end of the podcast were uh, I loved, like I said, Omaha Beach because in the uh, Arkansas Derby uh, he surged through and and took the lead and really uh, impressed me the way that he ran. I thought that uh, he would have what it takes to to be up there. Um, I liked uh, Vacoma in the Bluegrass Stakes. They had a a, a hard run, and I liked Tacitus who came flying back uh, in the Wood Memorial. And I really thought that Omaha Beach specifically being in the mud in those muddy conditions, like I I said, I was looking for horses that maybe could be near the front because in those, in those rainy conditions, that's really what you're looking for. Um, And so I'm feeling good about Omaha Beach to get the, uh, the, the forecast for rain, to get the, the post positions uh, announced on was a Tuesday, the week of the Derby and got a good post position. I believe it was 12. Um, and then Vacoma and uh, was six and Tacitus was eight. I liked post positions closer to the inside, uh, especially in those rainy conditions, the farther out you get, like there's 20 horses, there's, tw- you know, 20 spots. Uh, those, Outer ones after 12, that's like, they call it the auxiliary gate. They have to wheel a special gate in. They only have 12 spots normally on a racetrack. They have to wheel in uh, another gate to to get to, to fit these extra horses in there. It's so hard to win a race coming from way outside at the start of a race like that, especially in the mud and rain and when you want to be up front and, and to be out that far trying to get a good start and get out in front of the field. It, it feels like you have to take a taxi to get up to the front uh, from the auxiliary gate. So that's what I was really waiting for was the, the, the post positions to be announced. And I like the post position for Omaha beach. And then uh, it comes down the next day on Wednesday that Omaha beach has been installed as the morning line favorite. And that just made me even more confident because now this again, this is me not reading anything that anybody had been writing about the Derby. This is all based on me watching the races and I came away liking Omaha beach. And now here's Omaha beach being installed as a favorite that validated that I, you know, really knew what I was watching and that what I was looking at was really the real deal. So I'm feeling more and more confident. I'm like, boy, I, I think I'm going to have to get some of this action. I, I'm going to have to put some money on this race, man. Uh, and I was looking at the, the the Kentucky Derby website. There's a way to join up with them and, and bet online, uh, bet the race online. But I was bouncing around that site, and I swear I clicked on about eight or ten web pages and trying to find out if this was legal for me to do this living here in, in Tennessee. I, I didn't want to be sending them money and then winning and then not being able to collect because of some sort of legalities. And I couldn't find a straight answer on the Kentucky Derby website if that was something that was legal in Tennessee. So I abandoned that. So, okay, I'm not going to do that. The only other recourse I had was to go out of state to to Arkansas at this dog track called uh, Southland Park. But it's not that far away. It's in a town that's so close to Tennessee that it's actually called West Memphis, Arkansas. And, of course, you're familiar with this area down here, Jason. You know where uh, West Memphis, Arkansas is, is right over the bridge. So yes, you, not, that's the area you speed right through. Yeah, it's, it's you, you blink and you miss it. You, uh, when you're coming over the bridge to, to get to Tennessee, uh, once you leave Arkansas and, and get to Tennessee, you uh, Southland park is right there on your left and blink and you'll miss it. And, and the whole town is really 
that quick. You you go right through it, and uh, yeah, there's no really no reason to go to West Memphis except you know except for Southland Park. So that was my uh, intention to go over there Saturday, the day of the Derby, uh, and and possibly bet this race. It wasn't a slam dunk. I was really you know hedging, going back and forth, uh, and then uh, Wednesday. Uh, I think it was Wednesday night, maybe that I first heard about it, or maybe Thursday morning, uh, that I found out that uh, the horse that I liked so much, Omaha Beach, the morning line favorite, the horse that I've already decided is that's my pick, that's my guy. Oh look, he's been scratched. He's not going to race at all with the uh, entrapped Epilogatus. Uh, I'm not even going to front and, and and act like I know what the fuck that means. I didn't do any research and look it up. I don't, I don't know that he didn't race. That's all I know is the, is the, is the favorite got scratched. So now I'm sitting there. Well, now what do I do? Do I still want to do, do I want to look up, uh, up and down this, this list and see what other horses uh, impress me? Well, I took a look and, and I saw another horse to put in, into my little trifecta there. I still had, I still like the, the six Vacoma. I still like the eight Tacitus. And I looked in and I saw another horse that I, I liked his post position uh, again, not outside in those auxiliary gates. I liked. Uh, I was looking at the horses that were closer to the inside, and I liked this particular horse. He, he who won the Florida Derby, uh, who was allowed to run uh, in front at a pretty slow pace, so he was able to pull away unchallenged. He wasn't really uh, pressed uh, in the Florida Derby, and, and he was able to run up front and, and go ahead and, and take it at the end. And I said, you know what? In, in the rain and mud again. I think that's the type of horse that's got a great chance to win it. So now sliding in in place of Omaha Beach into my little trifecta would be the seven maximum security. And so I'm still feeling pretty good about these picks. And then six, seven, and eight now will be my trifecta. And I'm like, okay, that's a little symmetry. That maybe there's maybe there's a little something here to look at. Uh, no real betting favorite now after Omaha Beach got taken down. Yeah. Races like that, when there's no real clear favorite, that's a that's that's money, man. That's a lot of money at stake because there's no horse that's going to be like odds on or you know two to one or something like that. Whoever you bet, if he wins, you're going to make some good money because there's no real betting favorite. So that just makes it even more interesting for me to maybe possibly put some actual money on this thing. Uh, so I slide in maximum security. I like the post position. I like that he won in front in the Florida Derby. So Saturday rolls around. Now I have to work on Saturday, but I get off at 3:30. I know the mechanics of the race that uh, from being there live at the Kentucky Derby, I know that they run a whole bunch of other races throughout the day. And then about 6:30 to 6:45 local time or 5:30 to 5:45 central time where I'm living is when they actually actually run the Kentucky Derby. So I know that I'm getting off work at 3.30. Uh, I know that I can make it over to Southland Park in a decent amount of time, but there's some factors in my way. Uh, I don't have the cash yet. I have to go to an ATM, and there's no real convenient place uh, to go get to, to, for my particular bank. Uh, between where I work and West Memphis, Arkansas, there's like one ATM that's not out of the way, and it's downtown Memphis, but now we're talking about downtown Memphis during Memphis in May when they're having this big concert series. So now we got hella traffic to think about. So I sat there in the car, in, in my truck, 
for about 15 minutes debating after work. Do I want to, do I really want to do this? Do I want to, I don't know. (coughs) Excuse me. Do I really want to go do the trouble? Do I want to go to the ATM? Do I want to go get this money? Uh, My wife was possibly going to meet me out there. I was going to come home and then we were going to go, but she was uh, with her uncle. So she uh, wound up backing out of that. So this was all me now. If I wanted to go do this, it was going to be all by myself. And if I didn't, then I would just go home and, and be done with it. So I sat there and I debated back and forth. And, and I actually started driving out of the parking lot of my job uh, to this little fork. It takes a minute to get out of the business park. And then there's this small little fork. So literally a fork in a row where one way, if I drive off one way to the left, then that means I'm going uh, home. Uh, and I drive off to the right, that means I'm going towards downtown. And I'm going to go to the ATM and I'm going to go he- head on to Southland Park. And I got to the fork and I still really hadn't decided yet. And I actually said out loud, finally, to nobody in particular, because there's nobody else in the truck with me, I actually said out loud, if I don't bet my hunch and it comes in, I'm going to be sick. So the the gambler in me came out once again, and off I went to this ATM to go to Southland Park to bet this race. So the ATM was... It, it's sort of dangerous. That's why it's it's uh it's it's not convenient. It's on Union Avenue, which is a, a three lane street each way, but it's like the main street of Memphis, and you have to like dodge traffic and go across the three lanes to get back on to to Union, and uh it, it's never it's never an easy thing to do. There's always a lot of accidents over there. My wife actually works on Union Avenue, and she hears and sees a lot of uh, crashes and accidents over there. So it, it was dangerous, but I pulled it off. I got my money. I, I was able to avoid the Memphis and May traffic. I found a different way to get out to uh, Southland Park. And I made it out to Southland Park. And then it took about 15 minutes to find a parking spot when I got there. Because again, it, it's a it's it's Kentucky Derby Day. It's a crazy day. Southland Park, by the way, is a dog racing track. And they were actively having dog races that day. So it's not just the Kentucky Derby traffic, although I'm sure that was a huge part of it, but it's also, it's Saturday. There's a casino also, by the way. It's not just Southland Park horse racing or dog racing, rather. It's Southland Park dog racing and casino, and it's Kentucky Derby Day. So all of that wrapped up together, it was a trip. Driving around that parking lot and just doing circles and back and forth, up and down the roads, trying to find a spot. You see somebody pull out and you see somebody else pretty much duck in as soon as that other person pulls out. You don't even have a chance to get in that spot. And uh, it, it was a, it was a mess. I finally was able to park. It took literally 15 minutes. Then I get in there. Dogs are racing and people are making bets on the dog races and they're betting other horse tracks uh, as well for simulcast racing. So it wasn't very easy to, to put down this money because uh, I was thinking what I was going to do was, was sneak in there, put my bets down, drive home and and catch the race live on television in time. But because of, uh, of the dog races and because of all the lines uh, to, to bet all these other races, by the time I got up there and finally put my money down and, and you know, I'm, I'm backing out, I'm getting in line and then I'm backing out because I know the dog races is, is, you know, three minutes to post for the whatever dog race. I don't want to be in, in the way trying to figure out my Kentucky Derby bets while these people are trying to make this dog bet that's about to go off right now. I knew I had time to to wait, 
But by doing that, by the time I did finally get in line and make my Kentucky Derby bets, it was about about 20 minutes to go until the, the race was going to go off. So I just, uh, you know, squatted in the seats there uh, at the dog track and watched on the big screen and then watched the Kentucky Derby race live right there at Southland Park. And what I did was I, I made my trifecta box, but I also took those three horses, the six, Vacoma, the seven, maximum security, and the eight, Tacitus, and I bet some money across the board on all three individually, which means win, place, or show, I get some money back for all of those, if either one of those horses comes in. Now, that's a lot of money on the line, but I'm thinking, you know, hopefully I win, but even if I don't, just just somebody hit the board or, or do or come in second, somebody do something for me. I, with these three horses, I feel very good that I'm going to get something out of the matter, and hopefully I get the win. So I'm sitting there, I, I, I waited until the dog race is over, I made my bets, uh, I just sat and waited after the dog races are over and waited until the actual derby goes off. It's a great atmosphere, I had a great time, it was uh, the, the broken down horse players, the cigarette smoke in the air it was very reminiscent of all the, the off-track betting parlors that I'd frequented in Chicago and the Chicago suburbs back in the day, back when I was actually into horse racing uh, a little more than I am now. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was enjoying just the atmosphere, the, the buzz in the air as the horses are getting loaded in for the Derby and, uh, they go off and, and the place kind of goes up, you know, goes up for grabs and it, 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 it was, it was great. It was just fun to be there. No matter what the, the outcome was going to be, I was, I was, you know, enjoying myself and having a good time. So of course the race is happening and maximum security is out there in front. For pretty much the whole way uh around the first quarter around the second quarter around the third quarter maximum security is out in front and i'm not thinking about the trifecta anymore because uh, i think uh was it the six horse uh vacoma really never was in the race at all so that wasn't even a factor but i'm just watching maximum security run his race and i'm feeling really good because uh, and of course, Rory, the guy that uh, used to be my, my best friend and taught me about horse racing, uh, he used to really love it when you get a, a horse that's out in front and you can tell that he's not working hard. You can look at the fact that the jockey is standing up straight on him. He's not pushing him. He's not letting him, you know, he's not making him go fast or go hard at all. He's just standing straight up, just letting the horse run free and easy. He's not trying to ask him for any extra energy. He's reserving. He's staying back. And so maximum security was running easily out in front, not working hard uh, and not being asked by the jockey to do anything. And that's, that's a great sign because you know that then when the jockey does sit down and and ask for more, that the horse should have more to give because he hasn't had to do much work in the front end before that. There's other horses around him, but you can look at the jockey and tell, oh, he's pushing him. He's really, you know, trying to get him to stay up there uh, close to the lead. And you know that by the end, that horse isn't going to have anything left because he's already working too hard. So I'm I'm getting excited. I'm looking at this. I'm I'm seeing maximum security the whole way. I'm seeing at the top of the of the stretch, the final turn, that there was some some action in there. There was a little jostling of horses, but I didn't think anything of it. I know that some horse got up in front of maximum security briefly, and then maximum security fought back and took the lead again. And then he pulls away and he wins. 
and I'm I'm very happy. I you know didn't want to go screaming and yelling or anything crazy like that. So I actually gave the the little golf clap. I, I, that's all. That's all I did was give a polite little golf clap, and I, I may have patted the the ticket in my shirt pocket or something. Like yeah, I got it. I got this shit. Yep. You know, feeling good. Feeling real good. The 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 list of of the top four horses or whatever goes up on the screen uh, pretty much right after the race is over. The uh, the twenty horse country house uh, was sixty five to one that came in second and that kind of elicited a gasp when that went up from everybody like whoa that's that's amazing because even that I, I don't know the exact uh, mechanics of how it all works but having a big underdog long shot like that in the top three. Somehow that pushes up the prices, uh, how much you make for like the the, the winner. Uh, it, it, I don't know. Like again, I don't know exactly how that works, but I, I know I would get more for for place and show for my 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 seven maximum security than I would if it was you know the the lower horses that came in. So I'm feeling even better about that. Uh, and then the objection sign comes up and the horse players know what that means uh, sometimes uh it's called the inquiry sign uh but either way it all means the same thing it means somebody uh that that uh it means that a horse that finished in the money um is being objected uh that somebody else in the race thinks that one of those horses interfered and, and caused his horse to not do as well as it should have these objections don't happen for like horses in the back of the field, like the, the 18th place horse uh, bumping into the 19th place horse. That doesn't matter. That, that that's not going to uh, have an objection to it because it's, it doesn't affect the money at all. But any interference that is seen to be caused by a horse that was in the money, that's grounds for an official uh, objection or inquiry. So, at first, all I knew was there was an objection, so it means one of the top four horses, uh, because you got the exacta for the top two, you got the trifecta for the top three, and you got the superfecta for the top four horses. So therefore, uh, even though you don't win any money, if your horse comes in fourth, if you bet, you can only bet win place show, but you can bet a superfecta trying to pick the top, the top four finishers in whatever order. So it does affect the money if uh, if a fourth place horse uh, would interfere. So I'm thinking maybe one of those horses, you know, finished third or fourth. Maybe they bumped or interfered or something. Because I was watching, you know, the seven horse the whole way. I was watching Maximum Security. I, I, I like I said, I noticed a little action in there, but I didn't notice anything that I, I thought would warrant any kind of objection. Now they're showing these replays over and over again, and I'm okay. I'm not objective. I admit, I am not objective when I'm watching these replays. But I'm watching these replays and going, I don't see any interference. I don't know what I don't I don't see any. I don't see I I, I really wasn't even concentrating on what wound up being called. I was concentrating on the inside uh that I, I didn't even notice maximum security veering out uh outside to its right. I noticed it come back into its left and sort of cut off a horse on the rail. But I didn't think it was anything warranting uh, an objection. So I honestly thought that was the only thing that they were looking at. I didn't even know they were looking at the outside. 
But all I know is we watch enough uh, Law and Order uh, that, Jason, you know, the longer it goes, the longer the jury is out, uh, you know, that verdict, uh, it might not might not go in your favor. That jury comes right back and you're like, OK, we, we know what's going to happen. You, we know they're going to be guilty because everybody went around the room and said, yep, he's guilty. But the longer they stay out, that, that prosecution is like, I don't know, this isn't looking too good. And this objection took forever. And the longer it took, I was like, this isn't looking too good because I, I don't know what they're looking at, but they're taking so long that some, there's got to be something to this. If it was cut and dried, uh, no interference, uh, no collusion, as, as our president would say, uh, then they would just say, yep, there's no interference and we're going to call it a day. But the longer they took, the worse I, I felt. But I'm just I, I, I couldn't see it. I didn't see the, the interference. Uh, there's a guy there at the uh, at, at Southland Park that just kept yelling out during this long process. He just kept yelling, it's official. And I think he was doing that because he probably had the winner as well. He probably had maximum security. He just wanted it to be over. He didn't know anything. And, you know, everyone kept looking up when he said that, like, oh, it's official? Really? No. No, it's not official. It's, this guy's just yelling it. Uh but we were just all sitting there waiting, and then five minutes turned into ten minutes, turned into fifteen minutes, and uh, they—they I didn't know who it was th- that they were looking at exactly, but I did know I, I did see the two flashing numbers there at the at, at, at Churchill Downs was the top two horses, the seven uh, maximum security and the twenty country house. So that was going to be if if something was going to get flipped around or or something was going to happen, it was going to involve those two horses. So I'm thinking, well, if if seven doesn't win and gets bumped down to second, God, that would suck. But I would still win some money because I had it across the board. I had it win, place, and show. But, man, I really wanted that win because that would really be where the, the big money would come in. But if it doesn't come down, maybe you'll get second. That, that, that'll be good enough. But I don't see any interference. Uh, again, I'm not objective. Finally, after about nine hours, what did you say, 22 minutes it was? It felt like about – Felt like about nine hours. Finally, after about nine hours, the seven horse that's sitting there at the top of the board that has won the Kentucky Derby, that they went went off the air on NBC and everything, and, and, and half the writers probably went home and uh, the stories are all being written already. That seven horse goes from first on the board to like fucking Effingham, just disappeared, just gone, just off the board. And the 20 horses moved up to number one, and everybody else behind them moved up a spot, and the seven horses just gone. And my mouth just dropped. I'm like, what? What? They completely took down that seven horse for the interference. They took maximum security off the board as far as in the money goes. Uh, And I've found out since then that what happens is, when you have interference, they'll take the horse that interfered and move him behind whatever horse that they say that he interfered with. And what happened was that that outside that I wasn't looking at, uh, that that uh, maximum security veered to the outside and cut off some other horse that then bumped into the 20 horse country house. So it wasn't even that maximum security interfered with country house. It was that maximum security bumped another horse that then bumped country house. And that's what the interference was. And that's what the disqualification came to. And like I said, that's history, man. That is, of course, 
the first disqualification of a winning racehorse for the Kentucky Derby due to a foul on the track. And why, oh, why would the first time that happened be now? What what the, what will be the, the 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 common denominator? What happened in this the hundred and forty whatever running of the Kentucky Derby uh, that would make the winning horse possibly be disqualified and taken completely off the board? Oh yeah, it would be the fact that I had money on him. That would be the only reason that the winning horse would be disqualified at the Kentucky Derby, and that was my incredible unbelievable experience sitting there at the Kentucky Derby with the winning ticket in my pocket waiting for nothing but the official sign to come up so I can go cash the ticket and go home that's all I'm waiting for texting with the wife the wife is asking to me asking me to bring home dinner and I can't get into all the details at that moment but I just text back to her I'm not going to be home anytime soon uh just just hold tight <laughs> Let me know what you want, and I'll and I'll I promise I'll bring it on the way home. But it's going to be a while. Just just trust me, it's going to be a while. She's like, you won, and I said, yeah, I, I think. <laughs> Little did I know, uh, no, I actually I actually didn't win. The only only saving grace is that the eight horse Tacitus had finished fourth in the Kentucky Derby, and with the disqualification of maximum security, Tacitus moved up to third. So I did get a little something back. I got the, the show money for the eight horse Tacitus, but the six horse Vacoma completely off the board, never was a factor in the race. And historically the seven horse maximum security came in first and paid $0. That's historic. You know, and of course I've got my, my cynical view of it because I saw the, I saw the replay the next he couldn't avoid it i mean it was it was oh yeah it was everywhere it was it was everywhere which 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 is of course my cynical view of the whole thing because wow you want to the kentucky derby you want to make some headlines you need a little you know you, you need a little action you need a little controversy otherwise <laughs> who would have been talking about it the next day or the next week and would, would we even be talking about this on the podcast and other than the fact that hey you had the right one and you won some money Instead of a half-hour story, no. Hey, I won. <laughs> I picked the right horse and I won some money. That's boring. That's easy. So, I, I saw the replays. I mean, I, I saw the the Zapruder film of the yeah. Kentucky Derby, and you're watching the over and over, you know, quote unquote interference. And and I don't know horse racing, right? I I don't know what I'm looking at, but. I, I keep I kept seeing it a few times and I'm like, what what, what am I looking at? This this kind of all looks the same to me. This looks like the last few seconds of the race. Just a bunch of you got all these horses jam packed in tight together and you know and bodies are you know little getting a little close, a little bit of bouncing off of each other, or you know a little bit of contact here, a little bit of contact there. All you have these massive animals in in super close proximity to each other and. But then, and then they're, you know, they show it and they're like, aha, there it is. And I was like, uh, there, there, there was what, <laughs> what am I, what am I, what am I missing here? Um, again, the fact that it took them so long to determine it, you know, and we fi- we find this with replay in 
sports and like like I mean horse racing is a sport right but we we have real sports right you know like football and baseball you know because once people care about um it, that sometimes when things go to replay you start like the human nature takes over that now you've got the power of the replay so you got you got to find something right you got to find mm-hmm. something sometimes even if it's not there because there was a challenge and you know, and instead of just looking at it and going, yeah, it's just a bunch of horses running. What what are we looking for here? I mean, I, I, I mean, if I don't know what the rules are, what the rules say, but I, I'm guessing that there's got to be like something sort of egregious to happen to to DQ a horse completely off the track, especially in in stakes like that, like you said, where one horse slightly bumps the other one and it changes it to alter its trajectory and maybe it slightly bumps another one and and cuts off it's not like these horses are all like tumbling head over heels and they're out there shooting the horses after the race so no that's Santa Anita yeah yeah that's that's <laughs> that other track so yeah for somebody who doesn't watch horse racing but hey it's still on, it's the news it, it made the news it's going to be news now because this is the first race right because there's still two more yeah, well, you, you're not going to hear too much about the other two more because that winner, uh, Country House, is already not going to run in the in the Preakness. Therefore, there's no chance oh, at a triple crown. So there's so there's why, no real. Why would you? So so the Derby winner, your your 650 to one or whatever it was, <laughs> the Derby, yeah. Derby winner, was that the number? 65 to one. 65 to one. I knew it was ridiculous um, that your 65 to one winner isn't even going to run the next race. If that's not a fluke, no. what is it? it? It's a complete fluke. I, again, it's I'm like not objective. It's like, the, it's like the masters. Don't you like, you got to go. I mean, it, it, yeah, normally you would any horse that wins the yeah. Derby is all, automatically in for the Preakness. Cause you got to take your shot at the triple crown. But this long shot was such a, a, such a long shot that apparently he's not in condition to run another race two weeks later <laughs> the, in the Preakness. So he's such a nag. That he shouldn't have ever yeah. won in the first place, right. and he cannot possibly run again in, uh, in two weeks. And and that's the and, the and they're the ones who protested too. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones that said they were interfered yeah. with, and, and and they got held up, and they 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 got their their bag, they got their bag of money, and they won the derby. That's what I mean, can't can't <laughs> take it away from them. Yeah, again, I'm not. Uh, you can't ask me about that uh, that that interference because uh, even though I'm I've watched a yeah. hell of a lot more racing than you. I'm not objective in this situation. So I can't tell you what that interference, how legit it was. You have to ask somebody that had no skin in the game. Cause I swear well, was, I did not see yeah. interference, but I'm not. Objective. Yeah. I, I mean, that, I, I, I could have, you know, I could have, that should have been the old Hawk Harrelson, you know, you know I, I, I guess, I guess that there's so many. Yeah. Th- to your point, there's so many races that I've seen in which, Horses have accidentally bumped and clicked heels and yep. did this and did that because you're in such uh, close quarters. That happens every single derby when you got 20 horses spread across the track. There's going to be some bumping. There's going to be some horses that don't stay exactly in the lane that they're supposed to be in. But to the extent that they got to take him off the board after he won the race, I never would have seen that coming. It's never happened in the history of the derby. And there's a reason for that because that's such a huge leap to say that he did such damage to the you're telling me that he 
uh, impeded the 65 to one shot that was going to come storming down the track and beat everybody and win the Kentucky Derby. Really? You're telling me that was, what that's what was going to happen. If not for, for him bumping out and, and bumping some other horse. I, I, I don't, I don't buy it again. I'm not objective, but I don't buy it. No, no. And again, if I had, if I had some more of a trained eye for what I was looking at, I would, you know, probably have a stronger opinion versus the, I don't see the big deal, but unfortunately for you, many of the, you know, quote unquote experts who were, uh, you know, screening the footage for you on live TV on these sports stations had pretty much the same opinion you and I had. Most of them were of the opinion, like I've seen worse, not get called. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. Then it be, so basically, yeah. So it became, was that Alberto Riverone running? Oh, the, no. Running the booth? I, I, Earl yeah, Hebner. I think I saw this. Earl Hebner uh, crawl crawl out of there with some money out of, in his back pocket. Um, <laughs> you should look into definitely. this. Maybe maybe Alberto Riverone uh, had something to do with this. So then the story the next day is, I don't know how the connection got made, but it was blowing up like on Twitter, and it was blow everything. Oh, blow Twitter explodes. Um, and and the complaints of Saints fans then suddenly. Did what? you see that angle? Oh, yeah, because, you know, the Saints got screwed because of the non-call on the pass interference. And, you know, there was this whole this, this whole angle talking about how you had all these whining Saints fans that were complaining, uh. like, see, see, they can overturn the Kentucky Derby and, and award the right champion. Why, why couldn't they do it to us? Yeah. I didn't have yeah. money on the Saints, but having picked them to win the Super Bowl the year before, I certainly had a stake in their loss yeah. to the uh, L.A. Rams. So I, I certainly feel their pain and their frustration. But even with that stake, even yeah. I say, it's over, Saints fans. Yeah. It, it's over. The game happened. Right. It's over. And, you got to start and, getting and, over it now. And I, I kind of crapped all over the Saints fans. And and I know you, you had the – because you had the Saints and because, you know, I had the – the Rams and uh, I wasn't objective then either. You weren't, you weren't objective then either, but I think we both agreed with the point that that while it was a terrible non-call was, was one of many bad calls in that game. And, and which one do you go back and overturn? There are others that you could have overturned uh, for the Rams. Uh, you, you did make that point yes. and I can't, I can't argue with that. That's, that's absolutely right. fair. So yeah, but that that angle that was being taken, and 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 I don't know who drummed that up. If it was truly whining Saints fans, or was it ESPN or one of the sports networks, or was it the writer in New Orleans? I didn't do enough investigating into it to find out. But for a few hours on that day after the race, it was a thing, and uh, you know where where you had the where you had the reactions mostly on Twitter of the, of the Saints fans that were, that were whining and moaning about the fact that the, the horse race could be overturned because of something like that. See, why couldn't they have done it for us? Yeah, <laughs> that was a thing. That I miss, but definitely to the point you were making earlier, I did see a lot of col- columns and hot takes being written about uh, there's way too much replay. It's replay culture now taking over that you have to look at the film and this one one hundredth of a frame tick and hold up. If we pause and look yeah. at the frame right here and see that, yeah, we got to overturn everything and throw the entire yeah, situation out the window. I don't know if we talked about it a lot because um, we didn't really talk that much about the NCAA tournament other than when we did our bracket show. So that was all pre-tournament. We didn't talk about a lot of 
stuff happening during the tournament. During the tournament, and we did talk a little bit about it when we were live, actually watching the tournament together. Yeah, but the fact that the last yeah we were so yes but that never made the show so me and right. you and the and, and 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 the loser are sitting there we're watching <laughs> these games but the whole tournament the last two minutes were just interminable you could not yes. watch the last two minutes of any of those games because every single possession they were running to the replay they were you're you're right they, i remember it it Did was the guy's finger graze the ball but it might have knocked it off of the opponent's jersey on the way out of bounds, and we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, yeah, the technology has also, you know, as much as a, of a blessing it is to have all these replay angles. But, but that was just the, the Kentucky Derby. How many angles did they have? I mean, the only replay I saw was the same exact replay over and over and over. So unless they had you know, a lot of different camera angles where you could really look at this and point to this and say, aha, there it is. I never saw that angle. The two or three other angles that they showed were worse than the one that you kept seeing, which is why you kept seeing that one over and over, because that's the only one that really showed what they were talking about. That's why, that's why I liken this with the, with the Zapruder film. I think they actually had better footage of, of JFK. (laughs) They did of the Kentucky Derby in 2019. Like I could make more sense of those videos from you know fifty some odd years ago. So yeah, I'm I'm trapped as far as that particular angle of uh, is replay is replay culture possibly destroying sports or taking over sports or something like that because I, I think we're kind of on the same page with it. We want to see the correct calls made, but right. good grief, there's got to be a better way about it than what we're doing right now with these these yeah. inter- like you said interminable pausing of games all the time to go run and check out the, 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 the replay and the put the headset on and then see if we can possibly see this one little fingernail that knocked this ball. It, it, it's, it's, there's, a, there's something better coming down the road. They, they just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah, I mean, we talk about this with baseball all the time. You know, you and I are both on board with the robot up, right? We're, we're, we're the automated strike zone, you know, we, because we, we always talk, you know, we've seen it in tennis, you know, it can work. Um, and you know, I watched the, I watched 14 out of the 15 innings of that Cubs Brewers game today, and for both teams, just watching the 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 umpire strike zone, the way it ebbed and flowed throughout the game, like pitches that were balls in the first inning were strikes in the middle innings, and that went back to being balls again in the later innings. And this was just for, this was for both teams, and a lot mm-hmm. of these pitches are close, but when you're watching that pinpoint on the you know, the on the, you know, the Fox box or whatever you want to call it down there, or, you know, and when you're watching the, the little pinpricks come up of where the pitches are hitting and you're like, okay, well, that was a strike last inning and now he's missing it. Or the, the ball clearly goes through the strike zone, but because the catcher maybe like flips the glove out too far when he's catching it and kind of does like yep. the whole late thing, now all of a sudden it's a ball. So you're almost like tricking the umpire. And I'm watching the game, and I'm like, I've had enough of that. I, I've, I've had enough yeah. of subjectivity when and, – and, again, the reason I'm on board with something like that is because it's instantaneous, right? You're not going to the monitor, stopping the game for every questionable pitch. It is or it isn't. That's the kind of place where you can use the technology in the right way. Ball, strike. It's done. Right. <laughs> you, know? you don't have to challenge it. You can just have that 
uh, back there and the guy gets the alert and he can call his ball or a strike because you still have to have somebody back there managing the game, calling outs at home, you know, and doing those things. But the replays, man, you know, and, and, and this, again, this is just the calm before the storm of this NFL rule. We've, we've talked about it and it's going to be this sort of dark cloud hanging over us all season with this allowing the challenging of calls and non-calls of pass interference. Yeah, that's got the potential to be a real shitstorm right yeah, there. Which, which I think goes closer to what I say, which is just let them challenge anything they want. Because what's it going to take next time? Holding or not holding or my favorite face mask or no face mask, right? <laughs> right. Roughing the passer or not roughing the passer? It's there's there's better days coming. It's just we got to go through all of these machinations right now uh, to get to to where we want to get. <laughs> but good for the Kentucky Derby. People actually talked about it, but they kind of blew their wad because the next time this happens, nobody's going to care. So like, oh yeah, another replay screw up at the Kentucky <laughs> Derby. So they got their one right. They they got their one shocking thing, and it's the first time. It was it the hundred and fortieth. Time they've run this and it's the first time it's ever happened. Did I hear that right? Yeah, the the poor uh, Kentucky steward, the, the the old lady sitting up there that got tasked with trying to figure this out and and, and <laughs> conferring with the other people. She didn't look like she was enjoying it. She didn't look like she was trying to figure out a way to get an angle to get publicity. She looked like she was being tortured. And I think that's why it took so long is because you're, she's probably had to ask these guys like five or six or seven times. Are we sure we want to do this? Are we do? Are we really going to be the first time that we took the whole staff? Did you zoom in on her at all to see if she had any 65 to one tickets sticking out of her pants? I I think she did well enough to hide those in the back and and so that nobody could see that. Uh, but no, for the camera, she was just looking up at the uh, at the big screen. She was she was really doing the Al River on thing because she had the replays in front of her. So she had the wall of monitors there, and she just kept kind of looking back while this was going on with this look on her face, like, "Oh my God, are we are we really going to have to do this? Oh, oh my God!" Oh. She, she looked like she was being pained to, to have to do it, and and I would be pained too if I were if I were tasked with that uh, with with that responsibility. Uh, but again, when they finally did freeze the Zapruder film and show the moment where he bumped off the I kind of understood I kind of said okay I guess you had to but really at the moment at the time watching it I, I didn't see it I really didn't so. but the, to your point because you said well if it takes that long that's bad news but to the point for me is if it takes you 22 minutes I believe the number was 22 minutes between the end of the race to the time they announced the new winner so let's say it took them 20 minutes or let's say the challenge goes through and it takes you 15 minutes if you have to watch replays continuous replays 15 minutes then then don't do it because you should be able to look at something and go oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there it is you should Not- the, the- the process also involved they called down to the jockeys and, and in, in their broken English they had to talk to these poor stewards to like, try to figure out what's going on. Yeah, they yeah, they, they had to do uh, yeah. uh exit interviews of the jockeys and figure out, okay, did you think that it really caused your horse to really have to check up and did you really think, you know, so, uh, and then they had to ask the winning jockey, Do you think that you veered in enough or too much or do you what you know, so it, it was a process there that was really something that took way longer than it should have, and it was just 
Uh, it went on and on forever, and I, I could not believe what, what was happening. But like I said, I was just sitting there. The, the, every minute that ticks off, the more – uh, the longer it goes, the more I'm thinking they're going to fucking take this horse down. I can't fucking believe they're going to take this horse. Down. I don't, I don't believe this shit. So maximum security now gets to join like the fab five now, right? Pete Rose. He's just, just gone. He's, you don't exist anymore. Benoit. This horse just got Benoit. <laughs> uh, what? Uh, some national champion uh, was it Louisville uh, recently just got their title taken away from all the all the shit that Rick Patino was doing and whatnot. And Louisville, it, it, it doesn't exist. That year doesn't exist. I know you saw Louisville win the national title, but that that's just a trick that your mind is playing because no one actually won the national yeah. title that year. Yeah. Well, who's the was it was it the Fab Five they did that too? Well, they didn't win the title, uh, but yeah, they all of their. Everything. Yeah, all all their wins got vacated. Yeah, that 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 didn't happen. Five five five. What are you talking about? I don't I don't know what you mean. Who? I don't know what that means. Uh, who? What? Chris Weber? Never heard of him. Yeah, Chris Weber was it? Weber, Jackson, Jalen Rose, all those guys. They don't exist anymore, right? Uh, you you know you're of a certain age when you can name all five members of the Fab Five, which I'm sure a lot of people can still do, and I can certainly do it. You had the three that. Made the NBA, so those are the easy ones: uh, Chris Webber, Jalen Rose, and Jawan Howard. And the yeah, two and that I, didn't make it, which is a lot harder, which would be Jimmy King and Ray Jackson. So yeah, so, so, I, we'll, uh, so I get Jackson, right? You you got so a Jackson you, in there. You got to give me a couple of points for having Jackson. I didn't know his first yeah. name, but I knew he was one of the Fab Five. So I get a couple of bonus points there. So thank you. But yeah, they don't exist. So who did, who are you talking about? Uh, I just made up five names because they they oh. they didn't exist. That didn't happen. Disappeared like Effingham. Just that. Oh, can you imagine what was going through my mind? That seven horse goes from number one to gone. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, really, really. I, I, I have, you just kind of had silent resignation, like. Yeah, yeah. it's not like I was screaming or, or or cussing out loud or anything. I was just kind of like, yeah, this, this is this is my life. It's me. It's what I get for betting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly what I was saying. This is what I get for for coming out here. <laughs> You're almost, it's almost like you deserved it. It was like somebody, <laughs> the heavens opened up and the finger of God came out and said, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Don't gamble, Andre. Yeah, pretty much. Because think about what I said in the truck to myself. If I don't bet this hunch and it comes right. in, yeah. I'm going to be sick. Well, I bet now, the hunch and it came in and I was still sick. Think about how much better this story would have been had you turned the other way and learned oh. your lesson and been like, you know what? I was going to go and bet that horse, but I didn't. And wow, am I glad. You know what would have happened if I did? If I went home and didn't bet that horse? He'd have won, and there would have been no objection. That's what or would there would have been an objection and that they would have just been like, nah, it, it didn't happen. Yeah. So it all hinges it on you betting. You betting it. It took so 22 that, minutes. 22 yeah, minutes for took, them to find that you bet the race. For them to find the footage of me walking into Southland Park and betting that horse, and then they uh, okay, it, now we can take it down. You just found the footage that uh, that Andre bet <laughs> on the race. So you're going to have to uh, drop the horse completely off the board. Disappeared him. Yeah, uh, like he was a Prados villain, just gone. So if, if you ever huh. buy a race horse, you can call it Ghost of Effingham. <laughs> 
see if anybody get nobody will get the reference right. You know no. that that sounds like a horse name. You know, other than oh yeah, that's a good one. Country House, <laughs> Omaha Beach. I mean, seriously, that was your favorite Omaha Beach. The, the Omaha horse Beach. named after a war. Named after the invasion of Normandy. That, that's a <laughs> that's a great one. <sighs> was he running oh. right next to the eight horse Ground Zero? <laughs> Uh, that would be the next one. Hey, hey! So we got uh, four four minutes left on the live portion. I knew that was going to take close to the whole hour because I just couldn't believe what 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 happened. French level though, it's okay. That was that was good. Uh, you, you you had to tell that you you had to tell the story for it to all make sense, for it to all come together. You had to connect all the the threads of the story. This was the together. most confident I've felt about a derby since 2004. Oh. 15 years ago was the last time I, I went to a, a, a Kentucky Derby. And this was the one that I decided, hey, I'm, I'm watching all these prep races. I'm ready. I like these horses. I really know what I'm doing here. I'm going to bet this race. <laughs> and that's what I get. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it, it. It, 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 you know, but you learn. Are you gonna do it next year? You still you gonna do all the research and watch all the videos and because you know, it can't happen again, right? No, it couldn't possibly. Uh, there's so, a very so, good so, chance that I'll horse that doesn't exist. There's maximum security gonna run the next race. I don't remember if I read that he's gonna run or not. I know I read that Country House is out. That, that, that his people are not gonna run him, but I left. don't. I don't know about maximum security. Uh, if he ran, now, I would consider betting him because that's a damn now, good horse, despite the bumping. That or is that over? What's that? I heard that they were going to like protest the protest, but is that oh, all? That, I that's the last I heard was that there was going to be some some court action involving this. I don't know what good it's going to do yeah. because. By the time they get there, get all through the court system, all the other triple crown races will be over. So, you know, what's the don't, point? Don't give these Saints fans hope. Oh, maybe <laughs> now sue. We're taking this all the way to the Supreme Court. We're going to sue Roger Goodell. There's a lot of NFL fans that would love to sue Roger Goodell. So, we have a class action lawsuit against Nickel Colby Roby, <laughs> whatever his name is. Nickel Roby Coleman, yes. Yeah. I had his, I had the letters of the name right. <laughs> I believe it was a former uh, name of the year winner uh, because he was a nickel back and he was and his name was Nickel or, or Nickel as it turned out. Called him Kobe Nickel Ro- Rowan. <laughs> Something that, like that. You knew who I was talking about. That guy. <laughs> who else has a name like that? The guy that illegally just drilled Tommy Lee Lewis and nobody uh, called that. There's a couple of uh, Hall of Infamy inductions uh, possibly down the line. Right? There's no statute of limitations. <laughs> Absolutely. He, got he robbed them. Most... He, he mugged them. And, you know. One of the most infamous non-calls in history. Uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, got... I'm sure it'll be referred that way. But in, in the moment, I, I was a little bit more forgiving of it. But, yeah, it was a bad. It was really bad. I was also more forgiving of it because it screwed the Saints. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Although I, uh, looking back now after that garbage Super Bowl that we had to sit through, I kind of wish the Saints oh were. Oh my God, that was uh, so. God, that was a. Uh, we're in that Super Bowl now because that was 
yeah, that, that was, I, I'm still not over the hot garbage that was that Super Bowl. That came out this week, too, that uh, Sean, uh, the, the 12-year-old coach, McVay, uh, watched, like, every game of the, the Patriots season and all the postseason games. And he, he says now he watched too much tape. That's why the Rams weren't ready, because he just watched too much tape. That's all. Huh? Believe in, in <laughs> he said he watched too. He was too prepared. That's what, the Rams are too prepared for the Patriots. That's why they lost. More on our after show. All right, into our VIP after show program. Yes, the Rams are too prepared for the Patriots, and that's why they lost. Sean McVay watched too much tape. That's that was the whole problem, according to Sean McVay. Why they scored three points because they were too they scored three points. That's right. Well, you know, <laughs> if he hadn't watched all that video, you're saying they would have gotten shut out. I, I, perhaps. <laughs> it was it was all that video that prepared them to get that field goal. <laughs> wow. Yeah. He could just, you, know. you you showed you, you, the boy genius, right? You're the boy genius. Yeah. You, you showed your ass on on, on national TV, the largest. TV audience of the show of the year, you 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 showed what you you had. It it wasn't much, so you can go away now. You know how those coaches are, though. They they got something. They got an explanation, no matter what the situation is. They have a reason. They have an explanation, and they'll let you know exactly what went wrong. Yeah, I mean Wade Phillips watched tape. I mean, I I, I still <laughs> feel bad about the performance of that Rams defense holding down the Patriots the way they did for the whole game basically giving up one scoring drive, right? I mean, one decent right. scoring. And, and you know, like, if you had told me before the game or the Super Bowl that the Rams were going to hold the Patriots to 13, I'm like, ah, blow out. Absolutely. Yeah, you so, figure the Rams would put up a lot more than that on, on the Patriots' <sighs> D, which was not very impressive. Yeah. So, I just I, – yeah, football, football, you know, we're out of football mode here for a little while. But, yeah, there's a – I didn't. I, I'm, I'm glad you did not see anything that had to do with that Saints fan angle for the for the Derby. So <laughs> I didn't know they were still making it. I, I, and I understand why they're still salty, but I didn't know they were still making a thing of it at, at, at that point. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned the basketball. Play. I've been I've been paying attention to the basketball playoffs. So, so if I'm ever going to pay attention to basketball, it's during the playoffs. And I you know I clearly have been. Um, paying attention to this postseason, but I did want to take a moment. I did. I mentioned this to you before the show briefly, but I didn't want to take a moment to laugh at, at James Harden and the Houston Rockets <laughs> <laughs> because I, I just, I knew like deep, deep down in my heart that the Warriors were going to win game six because the media coverage was so skewed towards like, this is going seven. This is going seven. Let's not even talk about game six because this is all going to be about Sunday night and this thing's going to go seven, and, you know, and it's going to be hard for the Warriors because it's going to be the early turnaround because that's going to be the early game on Sunday and everything was in place. They're just setting this up there. You know, the Warriors don't have Durant. They don't have uh, Cousins. They don't Marcus have the, Cousins. Yeah. yeah. These guys are out. They don't stand a chance. You know, James Harden's going to just, you know, and of course the Rockets lose because that's just what the Rockets do. Choking dogs. So, so yeah, I had to laugh 
So I, I took my moment there to laugh at James Harden and the Houston Rockets. They can have their, they can have their, you know, their insurance commercials and and, and do all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, they, they they shut Steph Curry out in the first half, and then he goes for thirty three. Oh, <laughs> embarrassing! Absolutely yep. embarrassing. At home to go out like that too. At home in front of your own fans, all you had to do was take care of business and you force the game seven. And once you, all you got to do is get it to seven and anything can happen. And they couldn't even take care of business at home. They also couldn't take care of business in game five when Kevin Durant was gone for a quarter and a half at the end of that game. And it was a close so, game. Yeah. So I'm laughing with you at the Rockets. Uh, the NBA experts will continue to tell you and have been telling you that James Harden's uh, style of basketball, you know, just, bounce, 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 isolate that ball, keep it away from everybody and, and take your shot whenever you're, you're finally ready to take it. Uh, it, it can score a lot of points. It can win an MVP award or two. You, you can't win a, a world title that way. They've been saying that forever, and it looks to be certainly true. So uh, that yeah. is definitely it's something to, 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 <laughs> to laugh at the Rockets. I was still too busy doubled over laughing at the Boston Celtics to laugh too much at the Rockets because I think the Celtics even went out yeah. as bigger dogs than the Rockets yeah. did. The Celtics, I mean, the, Celtics just, the Celtics in games four and five, you actually over. could like, if you watch the tape of games four and five, you can almost find the point in the fourth quarter in each of those games where they just quit. They, they just submitted. Yeah, because they're, they they basically about halfway through the fourth quarter in Game Four and in Game Five, you could basically just see the belt, the Boston Celtics like, yeah, we're not catching these guys, and just literally give up. Especially in that Game Four when Giannis Antetokounmpo just yeah. takes over uh, in Boston in their home stadium, just just decides I'm going to the basket every drive, I'm dunking the ball, and you're not stopping me. And yeah. Boston was just like, okay, yeah, that's, that's what you're going to so, do. <laughs> Nothing we can do about it. So very similar to what we had. Uh, we had this last year with the with the Cavs, remember, when the Cavaliers, they played the game of their lives in game one, right? And that was the oh, game yeah. where uh, J.R. Smith went and bought some mm-hmm. Hennessy into the game. That's this way, J.R., this way, yeah. wrong way. Hey, where yeah. you going? And, you, and and all the sports media were of the opinion that wow the Cavs are going to give these guys a series where you and I were you did a show in between game one and game two you and I were of the correct opinion that That's no it. no no they, they gave them everything they had they could have stolen the game and they still lost so they're done. That's it. And I had a very all similar over. feeling about game one in the Boston Milwaukee series which was. Giannis played terrible. He played the worst game of the series by far in game one, and the Celtics won the game, and all the reactions were, oh, Celtics are for real. They're going to stick it to Milwaukee. Of course, all the the Wisconsin fans just melted down after that game one loss. They, you know, they can't handle being down, you know, like if the first shot of the game goes in for the other team and it's two nothing, you know, they all throw up their hands. Oh, game's over. You suck. I mean, you want to talk about a fan base that is just hyperbolic. Let's just throw in the towel um, is at the at the first sign of any adversity. I mean, wow. 
I, I've been living with this for 15, 17 years now up here. And uh, it, it's frustrating. You know, I've, I've always, I always joke about the story when the, the Badgers football, uh, you know, Wisconsin college team here was playing like Wofford and they gave up a field goal on Wofford's first drive. And I'm literally listening to like, I thought there were going to be riots in the street. <laughs> and I believe the Badgers won the game 77 to three. <laughs> But you but had they to gave up that field goal. They gave up that field goal. They suck, and that's all you would hear from these. These like they're they're almost like they expect to lose, which is weird because I mean in football they do it too, which is weird because the Packers have been a a winning franchise. They don't have other winning franchises in this state, right? I mean, right. You know the the Bucks are what the this is the first time the Bucks have been to the you know, conference finals since, you know, Big Dog and Ray Allen and <laughs> right. Michael Red and those guys, you know, and uh, so it was 2001, Iverson, and that's what, right. 18 years. And the Brewers, I mean, the, 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 you know, everybody was over, they, they were all over the moon down here for the Brewers last year and definitely acted, you know, like a fan base that's not used to winning. I can say yeah, that as the fan base that wasn't used to winning so <laughs> but has now won <laughs> so you see things a little differently i guess once once you like experience that and i was like okay these guys are way overreacting to every little thing um as you i was you, joking long-suffering cubs fan can definitely attest to uh what it feels like to be waiting for a winner I'm at work today and I'm joking around with all the Brewer fans about the way that Craig Council manages these games when they play the Cubs, like he's managing game seven of the World Series. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is, it's May 11th. And, and, and you can see that he's just like, he, he's running out bullpen guys like left and right. And guy comes in, walks somebody. He's got to go run and get him out of the game and go get somebody else. I'm like, dude, it's May 11th. You're going to lose some of these games. It's, it's, it's okay. I mean, I've watched I watched Joe Madden from time to time over the years uh, managing the Cubs. Where you could just tell that he didn't really care if they win the game or not. Sometimes it's about keeping your guys healthy and getting to the next day, or not blowing out your bullpen arms. You know. <laughs> right. It's 162 of these. You you don't have to win this one today. You can yeah, chill yeah, and get one get them tomorrow. You're not going 162 and 0. It's okay if you got no. a, a middle reliever who goes in there and you know gives up a run. You can. It's okay to lose to your division rival. It, 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 it's okay. Someone's got to just put Craig Council down, sit him down, and be like, Craig, it, it's okay. It's okay if you lose one of these games. So I had to experience the overreaction of the fan base to that game one. And from what I had seen, and having watched a lot of Bucks basketball this year, you know, because I'm at work and that's what's on. So we have a TV and somebody who will always invariably grab the remote and put on the Bucks game. So. I've seen a lot of their basketball and it's been very good. right. So, so you, you learn to appreciate what you're seeing, you know, you know, Giannis and, and Middleton and Brogdon. So I know all these guys cause I've been watching them all year and they played a horrible game one. I'm like, they'll, they'll be fine. It's not all gloom and doom. They played as bad as you can play. They're going to be better. And they basically swept them out of the series after that. Exactly. And, Famously, the Celtics had zero answer for Giannis. I mean, he just his his only play is just drive towards the rim as fast as you humanly can and just dunk as hard as you possibly can. 
They couldn't stop and him. Nobody can. He's the most unguardable player in basketball right now. Uh, he, yeah. He's taking LeBron's uh, title as far as that goes. Who the, who the hell is going to stop him? Uh, really, Durant is the only person close as far as uh, unguardable players in the NBA right now. But Giannis is so long. It's just it's stupid. It's just stupid. Yeah, he when he just steps. he takes two steps from the three point right. line and dunks. and dunks. Yeah, it, it, it's sick. Uh, yeah, famously, uh, ESPN. This is going to turn into a small rant uh, from me about uh, sports media. ESPN. No, oh, no way, not us. We don't ever <laughs> rant about sports media. Of course. Uh, ESPN famously has uh, a very unbiased, uh, un- uh, unopinionated uh, analysis from former Celtic Paul Pierce after that game one, who declared the series over. Yeah. He <laughs> said Boston is okay. just a slam dunk to win this there thing. There should be a rule that you cannot let a former player of that team talk about the series or make a prediction at all, ever. So we've got many years now. Yeah. We've got many years of experience as to how unbiased, uh, or I should say biased, uh, uh, players from uh, from a certain team, how bad the coverage is when that player is trying to do analysis for that yeah. team as if he's unbiased. We've got Troy Aikman in the booth for years talking about Cowboys games, and you cannot listen to it because it's so yeah. awful. He's so, so clearly terrible. still like a, an employee almost of the Cowboys. Uh, and you've got so many other examples throughout other different sports now. And now you have this with Paul Pierce. And I think it pointed out the – my small rant is just about, I guess I'll keep it to the NBA because I don't want to make it too global. Uh, Cause I'll be here. It'll be another hour of me yapping and nobody wants that, but just NBA national coverage, everyone is chasing TNT and what they've done with Charles Barkley, Kenny Smith, uh, Ernie Johnson, and now Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, that combination of uh, uh, is not unbiased. Of course, it's still former players, but uh, detailed, if biased, analysis combined with humor, combined with pop culture references. That that mix that TNT has uh, is, is is great. Um, it's very fun to watch. Everyone else is sort of chasing that. So this is ESPN's attempt now at, at, at doing that. They're trying to have the guys that will come in and they'll they'll say anything. Paul Pierce will just say anything. Look out! You got to listen because you never know what Paul Pierce is going to say. Uh, Jalen Rose is up there. He'll, you never know what Jalen Rose will say. He'll say anything. Uh, I think Tracy McGrady might be part of that coverage too. So every other network is try, trying to fill in and try to find that mix of guys who will uh, give you analysis because they are former players and they've been there, which I respect that, uh, but also trying to sort of give you that, that ooh, look at that, that hot take. Ooh, he said, he said the series is over. Wow. And I'm I don't need that. I, I need actual analysis of what's going on. I don't need the hot take of, of a guy who played for the Celtics for almost his entire career saying that the Celtics have won a series because they won game one. Uh that's just that's that's Bush League. I don't need that and, and I'm I'm over it. Everyone else is trying to be TNT and I just I I need everyone to stop trying to be TNT because you can't. Yeah, and the the irony because you and I both used the Aikman analogy at the same time, which I thought was pretty funny. Oh. Um, 
you know, or, uh, Oh God! Yeah, because you could cross over into other sports, and the guys become more. And more I, I can't listen to John Smoltz like Teddy, talk Teddy about Bruce Braves games. Or Teddy Bruce, I, Teddy, yeah, Teddy, like, yeah, that's you know, great. Not only because he's shilling for the Patriots, like they need more shilling done for them, but just the arrogance that he does it with. It's just like, oh, just go away. Here's how you're supposed to win this game because I would know because I played for the world I, champion New England Patriots. Yeah, I did it. Oh, shut up. Uh, you know, well, there's, there's plenty of problems, but you know the homerism is just going to come out, right? It, it's just going to happen. Which is why you you said it. It should be a rule. You can't cover a game involving a team that you're prominently uh, associated uh, with. That's that only should be that, common sense. Two weeks ago, Cubs and Cardinals did a primetime game. It was like a Sunday night game or Saturday night game. It was a Friday night, whatever. It was a it was a night game. And yeah. the announcer that they had do the night game for the national coverage was Joe Buck. <laughs> How objective are you going to get <laughs> from Joe Buck when he is the announcer yeah. for the St. Louis Cardinals when he's not doing national stuff and he's doing the national game against their most hated rival? It, 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 you know, it, 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 you can see he's trying. I, I admire the effort, but... <laughs> Eventually, you can feel that he's he's definitely biased towards the team that he knows. Yeah, un- unfortunately, I think the explanation is simple but sort of disgusting. Uh, everything is political. I think it's very easy to do your scheduling and find out who doesn't have a, an affiliation in this particular game and assign them to that game, whether it's play-by-play or uh, color commentary or what have you. But I think because the, the, the hatred and the biasness brings out the hate in the people watching, I think they do that on purpose because they want the, 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 the feelings to fester and they want people to get all revved up and, oh, Paul Pierce is talking about the Celtics. We wanna, oh, of course he says that. He's been Mr. Celtic. Uh, and they want that attention. But they would rather have that than actual nuanced analysis. And, and the, at that point, you turn into CNN and Fox News, that you'd rather have embraced debate and you'd, you'd rather have that garbage than you would actual real analysis. Uh, well, Paul Pierce, uh, how'd that, how'd that uh, prediction of his oh, come out? He's been getting his ass roasted ever since, and he deserves it because that was just stupid. And people yeah. knew it was stupid as soon as he said it. I mean, games two, three, four, and five, the series after game one wasn't even all that close. No. no I mean, Milwaukee blow out. doors off. And like I said, in games four and five, you actually could – Go back and watch the tape and find the moment where you could just watch the the the, the will sucked right out of the Boston Celtics. Like they just like we're done. Now I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I, have you seen a team quit that hard in the conference semifinals like that? Uh, it's been a while. That was that was, that was pretty. Uh, that was that was a pretty bad joke, John. But I mean, again, Giannis is so unguardable. Like yeah. if he if he gets any help at all from his teammates, uh, and he Chris was Middleton and and, and yeah. Malcolm Brogdon, those guys, if he gets any help at all, like geez, like what are you gonna do? And you know you're 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 the Celtics. You're sitting there, you're looking at your best player, Kyrie Irving, as a head case, and he's out to lunch and he's not doing anything. You're like, what 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 are we gonna do? What are we supposed to do? Of course they quit it. They quit very hard, but 
I, I understand. <laughs> I yeah, understand you know, why they quit because they so after so after the Bucks lose game one, all the talk about is well they don't have another they don't have a second guy. See, and it's just all Giannis all by himself, and and he's got no supporting cast, which sounds great from a national sort you know a, a national perspective because nobody knows who who's on, who's on the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they weren't the number one team in their conference because they were a one-man team. Right, that's what Screaming A. Smith had to say. Who knows who these guys are? I don't know who any of these other yeah. guys are. Right, but if they now get through the next round after we figure out who uh, who the winner of Philly and uh, Toronto will be here, if they get to the finals, you'll start to figure out who these guys are. Well, Chris Middleton kind of made an all-star team this year, so he's kind of good. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> But he's, he's nobody. He's a bum. Oh yeah, total. Uh, then Eric Bledsoe has been doing this for years and years yeah. now. Uh, but then they've got yeah, all these like they've got these weird role player guys, like these little guys, like the white guy who hits the threes. It was that Pat Connaughton who comes off the bench and just <laughs> nails a couple threes, or your Ursan Ilyasova, uh, you know, come, you know, <laughs> bunch of nobodies, but they're NBA players, and I've. I've, I've you know, they've been with that team for a while and they and, and and Giannis has been there for a while and he seems like a very unassuming kind of superstar player, right? He, yeah, he's just he, he's so good he doesn't even know it. He's just yeah. he's just doing what he does. He's just better than everybody just because he's better than everybody. I don't think he has to work all that hard at being better than everybody because he makes it look pretty easy. And uh Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to go out and you know predict that they're they uh, they are going to go all the way, but they could. I think they're the second team right now in the uh, in the betting. You know, they're, they're the second best odds right now of winning the title. Yeah, I can believe that. Oh. I, I think that would be a fun series if they were projecting past the, the conference finals. But if it's Golden State and Milwaukee, I, I don't think that's a slam dunk for Golden State necessarily. Yeah. Be Milwaukee and Denver? No, I don't. I also don't think it's going to be Milwaukee and Portland. Finals ever. <laughs> uh, that you want to talk about some role players that nobody knows? That Denver Portland series, but man, have they been playing some great basketball? That that that's been fun as hell. You don't know who any of those guys are, but it's been fun to watch. Uh, I don't know anybody, <laughs> anybody on the Nuggets. Well, and, and they're, I they're no household of, names. I know a couple of guys on the Blazers, and that that's it. That's about it. But yeah, they they've been they've been playing some great team basketball. It's been it's been very everybody very fun. Knows, everybody knows because they've been there year after year after year after year. Everybody knows the Warriors, right? And I'd say the yeah. second most recognition, you know, team that has the most recognition is going to be Philly, right now. You know, the the Sixers have. The, a team with the most big names left on it, other than right. Warriors, just because they have all of those, you know, number one, number two, you know, all those top draft picks on that team, and Jimmy Butler, and you know, Embiid and Simmons is like basically that. That's like the draft lottery all stars on that team, right? Trust, trust the process. Yeah, the process. <laughs> they lose to Toronto, they're not going to be trusting that process. <laughs> That that series has been so weird because you got uh, Embiid with stomach issues and uh, he, he's either playing great and, and embarrassing Toronto or he's got bubble guts and can't get up and down the court. And 
uh, as, as he goes, so goes the 76ers. So that's just been uh, strange to watch. So I don't know who's going to wind up coming out of that, but uh, yeah. uh, t- Toronto can, can take them actually, you know, Kawhi Leonard is, he, you know, he knows how to win. Yeah, I no, I I I don't uh, I don't think that this is some you know foregone conclusion that the uh, that the Sixers are going to go into Toronto on the road and win Game Seven. It's going to be right. a good game. I think that's the more watchable of the two games. It might not be the better basketball that could end up very well easily being Portland and and Denver. What you're saying, technically, that might be a better game, but uh, I think the other game has more intrigue because there's names. I'm, I'm all. No, I understand, but I'm all in for both. If you if you like basketball even a little bit, you should be all in for both games tomorrow. Yeah. It's going to be uh, the great game, two great game sevens, I think. And also, uh, might be the record for the longest we've talked about basketball and it continues. <laughs> it might be. I'm, I'm gonna have to put that in the after show. Uh, put that in the description. Yeah, where we've actually jumped around from game to game to game. This wasn't just like last year when we just crapped all over J.R. Smith for <laughs> half an hour, you know? Yeah, uh, I don't know if you, uh, what else you had. I definitely wanted to get to uh, just t- talking about that uh, baseball game that I worked, uh, the minor league game that I worked this past Wednesday uh, out in, in Jackson. Uh, just to uh, remark on, I, I've been there. This is, my, this is my second time being there. I went there a few years ago. Um same exact scenario. It's a Wednesday game during the day. I'm off on Wednesdays. I'm off work on Wednesdays, so I was able to uh, get that game. And they happen to be pl- be playing Birmingham both times. And Birmingham, of course, is the Double A affiliate of my Chicago White Sox. So I was able to Birmingham get Aaron. That's right. The former uh, former ho- uh, host of Michael Jordan in his ill-fated baseball career. Jordan playing. <laughs> <laughs> So it, it was not a, a good day for the for the Barons. Non sequitur, so I can go off on a tangent here for a moment. Could you imagine being a little kid in Birmingham in <laughs> the mid '90s, going to buy a ticket to go watch Michael Jordan play Double A baseball? How surreal that had to be. Uh, I can't imagine how that process went. You, I'm sure those tickets were all sold out. Uh, for for weeks in advance, I'm sure there was lines outside the stadium all throughout the game of got of people just praying to get in, standing room only. Um, yeah, I'm sure that was absolutely a surreal experience, and and even more surreal. What have you caught him like having dinner after the game at, at one of your podunk restaurants down there? <laughs> hey, look at that! I just saw Michael Jordan at the Waffle House. Yeah. I, <laughs> Do you think he was on the bus, guys? I mean, come on, he couldn't have been, right? We're like, do you think he was bustling around the? the oh, deep I thought stuff? I read. I thought I read back then. Didn't he like buy the team like a brand new, tricked out, state of the art team bus? I, I, I think he took care of them. It's, I wouldn't be surprised. They probably yeah. still have that bus right now. <laughs> it probably was that high quality that it probably still is running well uh, right now. As soon as he went back to playing basketball, the bus got repoed or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that was a very crazy experience. Um, so I, it was not a good day uh, for this game for, for my Barons. They, they got their asses kicked, and uh, uh, it wasn't even close. The, the one thing that I definitely wanted to bring up with you is 
we, uh, as you say, we got to pat ourselves on the back. We were talking about it a little bit uh, before the yeah. show started tonight. We used to joke about all the sponsorships that we were watching growing up in Chicago. And that's just watching Major League Baseball. We had no idea about minor leagues and all that. But just seeing all the everything was so, you know, sponsored and everything. And we were like, you know, somewhere down the line someday, they're going to be sponsoring like everything. Like the, the, the fifth inning is brought to you by and ball that's one happened. has been brought to you by. Yeah. And we, we were saw, joking about that when we were teenagers. Saw the writing on the wall, right? Yeah. So this game in, in Jackson, the foul balls were sponsored. Chick-fil-A? I don't remember the, the company. I'm not trying to, to throw shade on them. I honestly don't remember the name of the company. But yeah. every foul ball that was hit, you hear the PA announcer go, that was a so-and-so-and-so collision specialist repair foul ball. And I'm like, what? What? The, the foul balls are sponsored. And wow. sometimes the, the announcer would say, that was a so-and-so collision repair specialist. And then they would have a funny voice say, foul ball. Something like it, it, so they had a bunch of funny voices queued up on the soundboard. So they tried to make it you know varied and put a little entertainment to it. But, yes, the foul balls – at the stadium out in Jackson were, were, were sponsored. So, and so I'm a collision specialist in Jackson, Tennessee. <laughs> yeah. And, and how much do you think a sponsorship of the foul balls costs? Can't be a lot, right? Uh, how much is that possibly worth? The, the extra publicity for saying it's a such and such foul, what, 20 bucks a, a ball? Yeah. I, I don't, I have no idea. Could you imagine you walk in the office, you knock on the door, and you sit down, and you're like, yes, uh, I'm so-and-so from something something collision specialists, and I would like to sponsor something here at the ballpark. And you're the guy, like, you're like the frazzled guy, like his glasses are all sideways, and his tie is all loose, and he's sitting there, he's probably chain-smoking, and he's sitting there like, <laughs> oh, we, we got anything, you know, everything's sponsored already, Dude, it's ball one sponsored, strike one sponsored, the infield mound is sponsored, the rubber sponsored. You guys, oh, you guys got anything we really want to be a sponsor for the double A Jackson, you know, Jackson team here. This is a big deal to us. Uh, about foul balls. You want, to, you want to sponsor foul balls? We'll take it. I mean, come on. How does that negotiation go? <laughs> I, I don't know. First of all, uh, of a certain age, I imagine every salesperson looks and, and acts and dresses like Herb Tarlick off of WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> um, Right, he's got the the plaid suit and everything. Yep. Everything, everything is the the shooter McGavin, you know the, you know. <laughs> hey, big guy. Yeah, I assume <laughs> every salesman. Guy. <laughs> yep. Assume every salesman looks like that. Um, uh, I, but it it kind of goes together when you think about a collision repair specials and foul ball because it's like, oh my god, it's a foul ball. It might be an accident. It might be a collision. So somebody came up with that on purpose. I don't know if the collision repair specialist people came in with that idea themselves or if the yeah. ballpark came up with it. The, the, I, I think maybe it's just as likely the, the Herb yeah. Tarlick sales guy came up with that in his head and went out and pitched it and sold it to some poor collision specialist uh, uh, company that, oh, yeah, that that sounds like a great idea. Um, so, yeah, so is it Middle Tennessee State, I believe, plays in Jackson? Am I correct on no, that? No, no. Middle Tennessee stays out where my mother-in-law used to live out oh, in uh, Murfreesboro. 
there was some little pissant <laughs> college in Jackson. But does, does this guy go to the high school? You're a collision specialist. I mean, did he go to the? Did, does this guy go to the the high school team and say he wants to, you know, you know he wants a uh, sponsorship of like next stingers or something? <laughs> Every uh, loose ball that goes into the stands, that's a loose ball into the stands. Collision repair specialist. Yeah. Loose ball? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. You gotta, you gotta be like legit. You gotta sponsor like concussions. Oh yeah, but that for the football it, team, sure. Chaser, that's the law. That's the law office of somebody. That's that's you being Abraham or something like that. You know the ambulance chasers. They're your out there son, doing... when your son is in the open field and gets jacked up. <laughs> no, that would be the best. Off on the meat wagon, and then the the law office of something something comes up on the jumbotron. Ah, oh, yeah, do we and the guy on the field and gives the guy on the stretcher his business card as a as a kind. <laughs> of hey call kid, me. you're gonna need call. me. Hey, call me. He's got even. He's but he's got to do the thumb and the little you know pinky finger thing. You know, call me. <laughs> Yeah, if you're ever able to walk again, give me a call. And even if you're not, you might need me anyway. He also would have the plaid suit on and give him the, you know, the the double triggers too, you know. Oh, yeah. Come on, big guy. <laughs> you better, big guy. Hope you can walk again. That's right. Oh, oh we're yeah, terrible. Have gone too far. The foul like, balls. You're joking about things going even farther? when we thought that the level we were at was something we were joking about in the past. So. And next thing you know, the fifth inning is sponsored by fifth third bank. Fifth third bank. That's been going on for a long time. Yeah. I would have never put that together, but there it is. Yeah. The fifth third bank thing. That's like a decade now. Right. So so you know what that means? We're, we're we're in the wrong business. We, we should have, we should have went into sales. I mean, I watch Cubs games now, and for some weird reason, I always want to cheer Dono's Pizza. <laughs> I don't know why. I just keep I no seeing the logo why. in my in my head. I, want Gier, I mean, I always want to cheer Dono's Pizza, but especially right. when I want when I watch Cubs games, I really want to Dono's Pizza. Did you know I was at a Cubs game uh, a few weeks ago, right? And I was down in Chicago, went to a Cub game, and they served Giordano's Pizza at the game now. Oh wow! Yeah, you can get like the slice of Giordano's at Cubs games now. It's like eight and a quarter for a slice. Is that um, the uh, is that the deep dish slice or is that the? Yeah, the... I'm pretty sure it's deep dish. Okay. So yeah, I, I'm thinking eight and a quarter. If it's a decent sized slice, that's still a better deal than the twelve dollar beer and the six dollar hot dog, right? That's that's Giordano's. That's like legit. That's why I wonder if it's the deep dish slides. If it's the deep dish yeah. slides, they should probably charge more than eight and a quarter. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I bet I that's just the flat, the, the, the New York style or whatever. I'd rather just go to the Cubs game and then leave it after the game, go to Giordano's and get a whole pizza for 20 bucks. That feeds like four people, five people. Right, but, but, but you also would rather go and, and watch the game without drinking any beer and then go to the 7-Eleven and get a case for, for $24 instead of getting one cup for 12 Yeah, I mean, the beer at Wrigley was ridiculously expensive now. It was like but, 10 bucks. But, but that's everywhere. That's, that's the movie theaters. That's the ballparks. That's, that's 
that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And, and although the first time to Wrigley since they put in the video board, right? You know, the giant wow. video board left field. And I, you know, and I love, I, you know, been going to Wrigley Field almost my whole life. So seeing that was like, at first you're like, well, because it's enormous. I mean, it, right. it looks big. Like if it looks big on TV, try sitting in the ballpark, that thing, it dominates left field. And it didn't bother me. Nor should it. You're there to it watch was, the ball game. It was nice being able to do something that they could do at 29 of all the other major league ballparks. Like, <laughs> and, and not have to wait for the people sitting in the mezzanine behind you to watch the 19 inch Sony Trinitron replays <laughs> mounted up on the, the beams that hold up the upper deck where they would actually have the TVs. And then you'd wait on the replay for everybody to go, Oh, and then you know it was a bad call. Yeah, right. I mean, people don't realize they haven't been to the Wrigley Field experience. They did have TVs in Wrigley Field, literal tube TVs mm-hmm. mounted behind you. If So if you were in the upper deck, I don't believe you could see them at all. The only people who could see them were the people behind the poles in the mezzanine area. And... Every time there'd be a controversial call, you had to wait for the reaction of the people who would get the replay feed on those TVs. And it was a very unique way of <laughs> watching a baseball game. So, yeah, having the having the big screen out there, it actually felt, you know, it's like the, 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 like the, the, the ballpark, you know, it's still, once you get into the seats, it's still, mo- it's almost, you know, 95% the same experience it was for, you know, 40 some odd years, 40 years of me going there prior but uh the underneath you can tell it's all been renovated like they've taken care of the place it's not it doesn't smell like urine well that's always good is the asbestos still under the uh under the stairs as you walk into your seat what's that is the asbestos still under the stairs there as you walk into your seat yeah the, the screens aren't there to catch the stuff falling down from the upper deck into <laughs> the place well that's that's great that's, that's good to know yeah. Now, what was the the holdup all those years of, of that big screen being put up? Was that the the rooftop people yeah. didn't want their view obstructed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, they. I mean, they've put up so many big fu signs to the to the <laughs> rooftop. Oh, they've got the they've got the big board in right field now. Um, that's just basically showing like stats and stuff. That that's out in right field. That's pretty enormous. That's blocking some of the view. The yep. the video board that's out there doesn't really do it too bad to the rooftop owners uh, by the left field foul pole. It does block their view mostly, I would say, of right field almost completely. But the Budweiser building, you can't see anymore. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah, that was, be, that was... The Budweiser building was there because that video board blocks it completely. Yeah, that was always a shot that when you uh, are looking out at left field and you saw the big Budweiser sign, you saw the people above it partying and celebrating and having a good having a good time. Yeah, and so you said so that's blocked off completely now. Yeah, that that view is gone. Like in the stands mm-hmm. where you know, I, where I was sitting, I was looking out at the board. I couldn't even see the Budweiser building. Wow, that, that board's big. It it, it, yeah. it is probably a third the length of left field. But but that's a good thing, like you said. It's, it's great to now be able to see replays like yeah, you're in a major and, league ballpark. And, and real stats. You know, you're you're actually getting, you know, and my eye, for some reason, because I've been there for so long, my eye always still drifts to the old 
mechanical scoreboard for my balls and strikes and all that stuff, but that's just because that's where, you know, muscle memory takes, you know, says where my eye level should go. So I still look out to center field for the, you know, ball strikes, outs, you know, and stuff like that. Even though it's other places in the ballpark, that's that's still where it goes. But yeah, that's because I, you're I, old. I Your kids hate, will not be looking there. <laughs> didn't have to get off my lawn experience like, oh, they're ruining this place with these modern amenities. No, I I, I enjoyed it. No, you're you're not that type of, of person normally. So you, no, you know I mean, better. Everybody's gonna have that mix of you know like nostalgia versus you know things progressing, and I that was a progression that I enjoyed. I still hate the stupid hey hey and put all that crap on the foul pole. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit ever. So yeah, see, I, little, <laughs> you gotta I gotta mix, you know. Very inconsistent when it comes to that because I think that is dumb. We're going to honor Jack Brickhouse, Jack Brickhouse by putting hey, hey on the foul poles. No, they can't really honor him the way that uh, that you would really want to honor him. You can't be, you know, pouring urine out of the stands onto yeah. people. That would that would really be the way to honor him because that was kind of his thing. But, but to uh, me, that's more of a sign of the futility of that franchise for all those decades that the people that you had to memorialize were the broadcasters because the players weren't very good. <laughs> yeah. Harry Gary was the biggest star of the Cubs when we were, when yeah. we were kids, that's for sure. He was the Cubs. Well, that was the Superstation, right? I mean, everybody knew yeah. Harry Gary because of the Superstation, just like with uh, the Braves, right? Everybody. And who'd they know? His kid. How ironic is that? <laughs> yeah. They, they kind of figured that out uh, at a, at an early when when cable was first exploding, the the then WGN yep. was going out around to everybody that, hey, we got a star here, we got Harry Carey, he's he's lovable, he's this, he's that, and uh, the team might suck, but hey, everybody loves Harry. I'm growing up, you know, spending my summers in Tennessee, and you know, I didn't have cable growing up for most of the time growing up, so I always say, you know, Channel Nine was right on the dial, right? Because we got our, you know, I lived eight blocks from Channel Nine, so reception was pretty strong and uh but we'd go to tennessee and spend the whole summer down there i could watch every cups game because it was on yep. the super state i mean that you would so you would talk about you did i did not miss a game oh and, and everyone knows how huge that was in making the the cubs what they were with the, the as big a fan base as they had having not won a damn thing since what it was in 1918 or whatever it was eight get it right well i'm sorry 1908 <laughs> 2016, sir. Uh, now, oh, yes. I'm talking oh, about yeah. we were growing up. Oh, yeah, 1908, yes. <laughs> it was the last time they won the World Series. <laughs> and, <laughs> but because so, of that superstation, they were still uh, as, as big a national brand as just about any other team. Yeah. And now, apparently, in the next year or two, they're going to do the Yes Network type thing. They're going to have their own network. Yep. Oh, we've been hearing rumors of that for years, but yeah, it's finally coming together now. So see, we were worried. We get on the air before the show in that little bit of you know empty space before the show starts recording, and we're sitting there going, hmm, "What are we going to talk about tonight?" Well, I knew we could fill time. I, my concern was I didn't want to monopolize the whole thing. If you had something you wanted to, to talk about, because I knew I could take up the whole time with the with the horse racing story. You got your but, story out of the way. You had to get that off your chest. 
Yeah, it was amazing. One time that I got money. To to, to you youngsters out there, Steve Stone would say. All you kids out there. That's right. For all you you kids out there, all you youngsters out there. uh, Yeah, gambling's bad, folks. (laughs) And as as I'm about to go (laughs) uh, on my vacation this week, so because it seems like I don't know why it works out this way. It's not planned out this way. That every time my wife and I go away for a few days, there's always a casino right there. Huh. So we're we're going to, we're going up to Minnesota for a few days, and literally from the hotel we're staying at, there's a casino in walking distance. Oh, there you go. Not planned out that way either. Well, gambling—I I wouldn't say gambling's bad. As someone who used to have a, a terrible gambling habit, gambling's not bad. I, I would, losing is terrible. Uh, yeah. Gambling is fine in in moderation. Everything, I, I, uh, as I've probably uh, you you probably as well have learned there's one thing we've learned in our 43 years uh and i'm you know i we haven't talked about it but i'm guessing you've learned the same way that i have pretty much everything is fine in moderation too much of anything is 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 where where things start to sort of uh, get out of control just whether it's food or or alcohol or gambling or no matter what work uh, sex, whatever it is, it's fine in moderation. Too much of it, that that's when it's been, becomes a problem. That's well, like a public public uh, PSA. There, it's like a you know PSA announcement there for, for all you kids out there. Wait for the little star to fly across, and the more you know. <laughs> Maybe that's a sound drop I need to get on the, on the board. I just described it. You can actually, if you close your eyes, you can see the little star flying across the screen. It's a little, the more you the know. The more you know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's good. I think I'm ready. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to bed and uh, we have a, we're leaving for vacation tomorrow, but we're still managing to squeeze a Mother's Day brunch in tomorrow. Um, oh. at a.m. So we're getting up. So I'll still be up at six o'clock in the morning. So even though it's my <laughs> vacation, "Quote unquote vacation," nice air quotes right there. I'll still be up mm-hmm. at six o'clock and uh, uh, at uh, at brunch at eight, and then uh, you know come back home and pack, and then hit the road for a few hours. Well, certainly enjoy your vacation. Um, I have no idea when we're gonna get back on the air for another show. It'll probably be the NBA Finals will probably be starting by the time we do another show, yeah, um, and. Yeah. We always tend to do like what about it? We have kind of about two, two, three weeks thing, you know. Every couple three mm-hmm. weeks, I'll get the itch. So you were texting me about the Derby, and I was just texting you. I texted you back. I'm like, well, we might as well just toss a show in because we're not going to have a chance after this for a while. So right. And so uh, next show, we'll probably talk a little bit about the the NBA Finals, and we'll definitely get to a little baseball. We haven't talked about the baseball season yet. That's uh, underway and getting going. We, it's May 11th. It, it can't I'm, get it can't get too high or too low on the 11th of May. Although I will point out very quickly that uh, three of the pitchers on our fantasy team are pretty much dead already, and we're still <laughs> have, we still have a really good pitching staff. Uh, go figure. Uh, the, the the one kid that died uh, was the last night. Uh, Glasnow. Uh, Glasnow, been, he's out four to six weeks. Yeah. Yeah, so but, he's, but he's, he's been be unbelievable before that. Rodon's gonna have Tommy John. It sounds like Shoemaker. Blew his knee out on a fluke yeah. play, um, but I did manage to pick up off the waiver wire. Uh, I picked up Chris Bassett off the waiver wire. Oh, 
and he was my second choice. Do you know how many times this has happened in the 15, 17 years I've been in the league where I don't get the first guy, I get the second guy, and the second guy turns out to be really good. And uh, Bassett's been pitching his, uh, his Einder off, so he was on the list. I remembered the list when I made the claim <laughs> that he was on the list. But I had him marked off because he got sent to the minors. So I had him those like guys to watch and he got called up and he did really good in his first start. And I got the claim through on him and he's pitched very well for Oakland so far. And we got a, a no hitter from Mike fires this week too. That's right. Another one is his second. So good on him. We're, we're hanging in there. We're, uh, yeah. we're, we're second place right now in the league and just sort of kind of muddling our way through um, May here before you get into June and June is really when trade season starts. So We'll uh, we'll see we'll see who starts getting the itchy trigger finger in our league here soon. But so far, the early returns have been mostly good. Wish our pitchers would stop dying, but other than that, <laughs> the results have been mostly good. Jake Rizzi has also been a, a, a oddly good get so far for us. Yeah, he's he's had some real good outings so far this year. Uh, it is yeah. still very early. He got beat around pretty hard the first couple of weeks, and I believe he's got a high two-something ERA now for the season. Yeah. And those Minnesota Twins, I told you about the Minnesota Twins when we had our baseball preview show. I warned you they were going to be pretty good this year. I also told you to stay away from the Cincinnati Reds like the play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, It is still early. There's there's still a lot of things that can can happen. They just outright it. It just said, Matt Kemp, go away. Just leave. We we don't need you. Just go. Wow. So yeah, that was a dumpster fire. I I didn't fall for any of that post preseason hype or any of that stuff. They probably sold a few tickets, and uh, yeah, they're they're back to being a joke. Yeah, it, it is still very early. The only thing that I wanted to point out right now was just the uh, how amazing it was uh, to see as minor as they were. It was all for for like cash considerations or something like that. But how amazing it was on May 11th to look at the uh, MLB network bottom line and see like three trades go by today. And I'm like, okay, really? We're, we're trading guys now already. This is the year that we're up against the hard deadline, right? Yes. Uh, Is it this year or next? I I thought that was one of the moves for this year, but I could, I thought so too. So I think we're up against the hard and fast. So the hard deadline I think is going to create earlier trading opportunities. That's exactly what I was amazed at. Was looking at wow, they're starting now in in early May. They're starting these trades already. What's it going to be like by the time we get to July thirty first? It's going to be getting rid of that waiver period deadline yeah. in August. I think that this is going to be a crazy, crazy year at the at the deadline. I think it's going to be going to be exciting. I think in baseball will once again show why they have the best trade deadline. They just made it oh. better. I think. So that's what I was looking at was it's, it's, the trades have started already and it's, it's probably only going to get crazier and crazier from this point forward. So, but it, yeah, there's, there's still so much season left. <laughs> I said all that on our next show. <laughs> uh, whenever that would be, I yeah. don't know, but I would, my guess would be uh, after Memorial Day <laughs> would be our next show. <laughs> so I, yeah. I've got to week and then the run-up to Memorial Day for me is insane so things calm down for me quite a bit after Memorial Day so right after Memorial Day first week of June would be a great time to 
start for us to start thinking about tossing another show in. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, happy Mother's Day to uh, your wonderful wife, and happy Mother's Day to your mother as well. Yeah, both here as we speak. Oh, good. My, my wife's sleeping, and my mom's downstairs sleeping on the couch with my with my kids because my mom's watching the kids while my wife and I are off on vacation for three uh, three days. So. Oh, okay. Uh, and happy Mother's Day to all the other mothers out there that may be listening. If you're a, a mother and listening, and if you're not a mother and you're listening, then happy Mother's Day yeah. to your mother, or however that works. <laughs> Trying to get them all in. To get to work, if, if you're not, you know, if you're not, just get to work. He's <laughs> doing it. It's really easy. Uh, so I've heard. All right, he's Jay. I'm Dre. This has been Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of in much less detail the podcast. Thank you all for listening, uh, and enjoy the rest of your May. And we'll be back somewhere probably towards the end of May with our next show. We'll talk to you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.